the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Cannell. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at youtube.com slash cover three and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook network, especially to those of you in Pac-12 country because it's here. The listeners have been pining for it. They've been asking for it. It is part of getting you ready for every single college football season. It is counting them up like nobody else does. Here on the Cover 3 podcast, we've got our first set of win totals. Uh, Today, uh, we will be tackling the Pac-12 North. Wednesday, we will be tackling the Pac-12 South. After that, we will be getting into the Big 12 the following week, then the ACC, then the Big 10, then the SEC, then our win totals locks, and oh my goodness, by then it's week zero, and we're going to all of a sudden be here. Things are about to pick up speed, so make sure that you are subscribed to the Cover 3 Podcast. If you have not already, subscribe to the YouTube channel, smash that bell for notifications, uh, hit that subscribe and like, and come come and jump on in the chat. You know We're going to be breaking down uh, the six teams in the Pac-12 North today, and if you've got thoughts, we'd love to hear those as well. Uh, gentlemen, the, well, how did it feel to go through the preparation process? Because this is, even for us, a big part of sort of getting the gears going for getting ready for the season. We, like, we cobble our takes together that we'll end up using for, I don't know, two, <laughs> two months. <laughs> we, we do it right now. How are we feeling as we get ready for, uh, for win totals to start? We needed this so badly. Like, True. I, I I had to work this weekend. I had to cover in case any news broke and any schools decided to realign, which is why we're doing the Pac-12 to start because the Pac-12 might not exist in a week. So we wanted to get it out of the way. But as I was, I'm, so I, I had to be on the internet all weekend. I'm on Twitter just in case news breaks. I got to be on top of things. And the entire weekend was nothing but Formula One, Wimbledon, and Scottish Open tweets. And I'm sitting there thinking, my God, do we need football worse than ever right now these people are desperate and thirsty for real sports definitely noticed that trend as well i cannot what are we seven weeks from uh mm-hmm. saturday so less than uh less than a couple months i um i don't know i i noticed more and this goes back to the old topics that we've been talking about to like the separation of powers they exist in college football but they almost feel like they exist in conferences too when you look at the very tip tops of the conference. And I think the PAC 12 is one of the ones that's most glaring. Why, if you were one of the teams at the top, you would want out. Cause you're looking at the rest of the, co- the rest of the conference. And you're like, this is, these, these are teams that are going to be lucky if they get to bowl games, you know, right? We're going to, yeah, yeah I, I definitely see what you're saying there. Uh, all right. Well, we're, we're going to bring him back. We own his likeness and his voice, at least when it comes to these win totals, uh, <laughs> For the first time, for the as we prepare for the 2022 season, 
you ready for uh, the general manager of Vanderbilt to uh, to get us going and uh, and count them up? Let's do it. As much as I think it's the, the under count is a safe up. play, like I can't even count them up. Count them up. How many kids are gonna win this fall? I can't fathom who wins. How many kids are gonna win this fall? I just can't. I don't see it. It's not, it's not on there. It's, it's not, not the schedule I'm looking at. Unless there's another schedule somewhere. <laughs> it's not on the schedule he's looking at. That's uh, <laughs> eight wins. Is that? We'll, 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 maybe we'll get him in to uh, to do his own uh, intro for uh, the SEC East a little bit later. Um, <laughs> we might have a Nashville trip coming up too. Maybe we can get get him in person and uh, and get to talk to him. But we begin with the Oregon Ducks. Uh, All of these win total prices and totals come from the Caesars Sportsbook. Oregon's currently sitting pulled this morning at nine wins over at uh, minus 115, under at minus 115, split prices on both sides. The season starts with just the absolutely massive showdown with Georgia in Atlanta. It gets Dan Lanning against his old team, the reigning national champions against the defensive coordinator, yeah, we've got a quarterback situation that includes another familiar face for the Georgia Bulldogs as Bo Nix has arrived. We can get into whether we think he's going to be the answer, whether we think he's going to be the starter. Ty Thompson and Jay Butterfield round out that room. We've got you know one of the best linebacker rooms in the country, headlined by Noah Sewell and Justin Flo. Some questions certainly elsewhere on the roster in the depth chart. So as we are looking at Oregon, it is the largest total in the Pac-12 North. They are... I think that sort of the unquestioned Pac-12 North favorites, how are we feeling about over, under, nine? Over? Is it easy over? No, I. for me, this is a situation where you mentioned everything that Oregon has. Like, if you look at the Pac-12 North, they're the most complete team. Like, there's a lot of teams in this division where you feel good about one side of the ball, but you're really not sure about the other side. Like, hey, I feel good about the offense, defense, eh, or vice versa. Oregon's the one team where it's like, offensively, they're not going to be scoring 45 points a game kind of super explosive. That's just not who they've been the last few years. But they're still efficient, and they can still put up points, and they can still move the ball. And defensively, I think they're going to be solid. So when I, I look at their schedule... I think Georgia's a loss. I feel like that's pretty safe. I mean, the game is at a neutral site in Atlanta. In Atlanta. I, yeah, I, I don't see Oregon and Dan Lanning's first game flying across the country and beating Georgia to start the seasons. But you look at the rest of the schedule, like Eastern Washington should be a win. BYU at home should be a win. It's not a guaranteed win, though. BYU is pretty good. Wazoo on the road. Eh, I give them that win, but it's still kind of iffy. Stanford, Arizona should be wins. I just UCLA win at Cal, probably a win at Colorado, probably a win. Washington, eh, Utah, eh, Oregon State, probably a win, but not like decisive. I just I look at this team and I think they're going nine and three at worst, which is where the win total is set. Or not at worst, but I think they're going nine and three. And I feel like 10 and two is more likely than eight and four slightly. So I go over, but it's not when we get to the locks pod at the end of all this, Oregon's probably not going to be on it. Uh, Or a lot of these Pac-12 teams, to be honest with you. But what I had almost the exact same thoughts you did. Like, do you feel great about the over? No, but I feel better than I do about eight wins. Exactly Mm -hmm. like you're talking about. Like, there is some push protection, I feel like. Um, I think this team, 
I think Dan Lanning, great hire. I think he's inheriting a pretty good roster because Mario, if you look at his recruiting classes, always had some you know pretty significant um, you know recruits coming in there. Uh, I think the other thing that can kind of be good for this team is to get some toughness. Like they've always been about the offensive side of the ball and having offensive-minded coaches. I think Dan Lanning will bring in a mentality. Now, if only he could bring in all those uh, first-round draft picks, he could have a lot more uh, success on the defense side of the ball. But I do think they'll be better defensively. I had them going 10-2, and just penciling in, and I was pretty much agreement on some of the, you know, iffy games. But I, I think they're going to be. I think the, I, I like the over better in this one. I don't. I don't like the under at all. And I kind of think like you. I think they'll probably end up at nine and three. I and, do think Mario had them going that direction though. Like, getting tougher. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they sure. were finished there yet. But I do. I think that you're like having a defensive coordinator come in from Georgia. I do think that you know this is a team that I. It's like I said. It's the most complete team. Chip, where are you going? I'm, I've got it pushed to over. Um, you guys and the cover three listeners are going to get sick of the win loss toss up analysis matrix that I put together. <laughs> oh, I forget your science. Uh, but as I was breaking it out, it is so notable to me that the toss up games, as I've identified them, are all in Eugene, BYU mm-hmm. in Eugene, UCLA in Eugene, Washington, Utah in Eugene. And then the other toss up that I had on there was Oregon State, a, a tough game, but a rivalry game. So it sort of comes with its own. Um, mojo anyway. So the fact that you're going to be looking at, uh, as I'm looking at at it, Georgia is the only certified, I'm going to sit here and say, they're going to lose that game. You're not going to win every single toss-up, but you're going to give yourself a great chance to win more toss-ups than you lose when they're all in your home stadium, especially a home stadium that when it gets rocking, then Austin's awesome. Like that, I don't do a good job of factoring in home field advantage in terms of the number of points it is. But if I was to just be able to have like a, a simple thumbs up, thumbs down, do I think your home stadium makes a significant difference? I, I think Oregon can absolutely ride that. And so with the BYU, UCLA, Washington, Utah, huge toss up games for Oregon, all of them coming at home. That seems like a big time advantage. And uh, they avoid USC. Uh, they do. Uh, here's what I had for my negatives. They need some skill players to step up on offense. They've got a running back named Byron Caldwell, who I think is going to do good with Travis Dye gone and CJ Verdell gone. But still, you're asking him to take on a lot of load with those two very good rushers gone. They need the back end of the defense. They lost two starters at cornerback and uh, one of the best safeties in the entire country. So they need some, you know, Dan Lanning needs to be able to identify some players who can step up there. But I agree with your comment, Tom, the most complete team in the Pac-12 most complete team in the Pac-12 North. So I got it around nine to three. So I'm sort of a, a push to over. So we're pretty much all on the same same page right there. Get them so, up! Ducks 12 and 0. Ducks 12 and 0. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. We, be, we turn it on to Washington. Uh, they've got the second highest win total in the division at Caesars Sportsbook at seven and a half wins. Over, a little bit more heavily juiced here at minus 125. The under checking in at minus 105. You've got a schedule that includes a visit from Michigan State. You do also avoid a USC, at least in the cross-division draw. And the non-conference, though, also hands you Kent State and Portland State, something that should allow first-year coach Kalen DeBoer 
a nice little runway to get things going. Michael Penix Jr., uh, Kalen DeBoer has a good relationship from him back from being at Indiana. He steps in at the quarterback position, though there are some younger players uh, who are on that roster who might factor in. If Penix, who's had a little bit of an injury history, does end up getting banged up, I, I do think that they've got some depth in that room. Pass rush and defensive line, just awesome, just from what I'm looking at going into the season. My expectation that that will all be very good. So it's seven and a half wins. Uh, how do we think year one's going to go for the Huskies? Under. Okay, I want to hear your explanation, then I'll get into mine. Okay, I think that it is going to be difficult. We put a lot of the... Um, you know, Washington's offense struggling so much. We put it on Jimmy Lake and the defensive coordinator as head coach impact. But it also, to me, still looks like it is an absence of um, proven difference makers at the skill positions to where you can have an explosive offense and that riding a very good defense and, you know, just kind of keeping things manageable is something that, you know, might still be around even as you've made an offensive hire in Kalen DeBoer and you're hoping that he's going to bring an offensive spark. I think that in terms of the schedule, there's not a lot of surefire losses. You know, at UCLA, at Oregon are probably going to end up being L's. But as I sort of shake out the rest of it, Michigan State winning that game flips this the other way. Um, I've got them finishing seven and five. I probably think Michigan State's going to be a loss. And then the other games that I had that were sort of uh, giving me some trouble, I will get to it on Wednesday. I have no idea what to think of Arizona State, but. You know, at Arizona State, at Cal, at Washington State, all those games are winnable for Washington. But until I see an offense is taking a big step forward, I'm not ready to commit to that. I was going to, I was trying to figure out this morning before we started what shirt to wear for the show. And, you know, I have a Washington shirt and I was like, we are doing the Pac-12 North. So I was like, all right, what's the Pac-12 North school whose shirt I can wear? And I was going to wear the Washington shirt. But the problem was... I didn't want to wear the shirt of a team if I was taking the under. And you're taking the under too? I'm taking the under. And it, it's for a lot of the reasons you're saying. I just, I don't have much faith in this offense or trust yet to where I'm willing to bank on it getting to eight wins. I think defensively, they're going to be solid. I think offensively, I mean, I just, going back to his days in Indiana, I've never really been a Michael Penix kind of backer or believer. I think that there's way too much chuck it up and hope for the best to his game. And I don't know if Washington really has the guys on offense that can, you know, make that work, but maybe they do. I, th I think Jalen Polk's a pretty decent player. I think Jalen McKillen's a good player. But I also worry, like, Jackson Kirkland is the, the best player on the offensive line as far as reputation, but he was going to leave last year and go to the NFL, but he pulled out of the draft because his ankles injury that he suffered that cost him time was significant enough to where he didn't want to go leave the league because it was going to hurt his draft stock. So I have questions about how healthy Kirkland is. And even if he's at a hundred percent or not, you know, how does, is he going to be able to be as the player he was beforehand? If his ankle is, if there's an actual problem with it. So I have concerns about that. And I just, don't know how many points this team is going to score, but then you get to the schedule and, you know, the road test, like, I don't think they're beating Michigan State. I don't think Michigan State is as good as it was last year. I think Michigan State's going to take a step back, but I do think they're still better than Washington and they could go on the road and win that game. And while I'm not just going to give the win to the Spartans, I think that they're winning that 60% of the time. Uh, UCLA on the road is going to be difficult. Arizona State on the road. I think, 
we'll get to that later this week. I, I don't have the highest of hopes for Arizona State, but that's still early enough in the season to where maybe the wheels haven't completely fallen off yet. So mm-hmm. maybe it's a bit more challenging. Even I, I glanced over it too. The opener against Kent State is going to be tough. I think Washington wins that game far more often than not, but that is not a fun team to start your year against. Like we see every single season in the opener, there are, there are major upsets that happen. To me, that's one of those kind of mismatches where upsets sometimes happen because that team can put up points in a hurry, and I just don't know if I trust Washington to outscore it if it has to. Cal on the road is one of those coin flip games, but it's on the road. Oregon on the road is tough. Wazoo in the Apple Cup on the road, that's going to be tough. I think this team is getting to a bowl game comfortably, but I think 7-5 and five is far more likely than 8-4. and four. I'm on the other side. Nice. So if you're a Penix backer, you love my. No, Penix. so I, I, but I don't know if Penix is going to be the guy. Like mm-hmm. I, I think the competition will be a good one because I think it'll elevate the quarterback play. And I remember, like you guys know why I'm high on Kalen DeBoer, right? You remember my yep. Indiana love affair was when I met him in those meetings. I was like, oh, this is the guy. I do think he's been a coach of this trajectory for a reason. Like I think he gets buy-in. I think the team, and this was a program that was a dumpster fire last year. Just. The Jimmy Lake stuff hanging over it. Um, you know, really since uh Peterson stepped down, it just felt like it was kind of a just a program that really wasn't getting buy-in, exactly what I'm talking about. Um, just in a in a positive direction. It seemed like there were more questions than answers. Um, I think the offense is gonna be better. And again, I think this is a defensive-minded team that's always had a very physical defense. And I think talent-wise, they'll have more. Than a lot of those teams, so I had them losing to Michigan State too. I had them, I had them. I don't know which one, but I had them. Um, the Arizona State, Arizona, back to back weeks. I had them win losing, like I had them losing on the road, winning at home. I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, if that was the opposite. But I kind of had those games lumped in there. Colorado's a team. I don't, I don't know what to expect from them, but I have Washington winning that one at home. I have them beating Oregon State, losing to Oregon, and then winning in the Apple Cup. On the road is probably the game that I could be sweating out for this one. That one to me, because I'm I'm with you. I think it'll be around here. Confidence level over is about a three out of ten. But I'm a believer in Kalen DeBoer and this program kind of getting back to where it, it belongs. And I, I of all the programs too, like we'll do Cal in a little bit, some of these other uh teams that were just devastated by COVID, like losing development and losing practice time. Like some are more impacted more than others, and I know Washington was too. But I don't think I think they're in a better position as a roster than some of the teams that they're facing here on the back end. They won only four games last year, mm-hmm. and looking at the roster and looking at the schedule, there's a high floor of bowling, right? Like we're going to take a, a four win team, and they almost certainly seem like they're going to be improving by at least two wins. Uh, I'm just not ready to do that. Again, this, I mean, you get Stanford, Arizona, Colorado. It's it's, it's just kind of nice to be able to look at it and just chalk up a couple W's right there. And then uh, hopefully you can go and nab uh, another one of these toss-up games and be able to get yourself looking good, maybe even battling for second place in the Pac-12 North. How many games are going to win this fall? I, you mentioned that Kent State's very tough for Washington, but you know Kent State, Portland State is you know it's something that's a little bit friendly, and we have so much positivity for Jonathan Smith and Oregon State, and they are going to make this man start the season against Boise State and Fresno State in back-to-back weeks. Yeah, 
Oh man, how are we going to get the beat? Right, so anyway, Oregon State six wins. Uh, the price right now at Caesars is split minus one fifteen, minus one fifteen. It's about like about as middle of the road as you can get. Six wins on the projection and the price evenly split. Uh, I mentioned that Boise State and Fresno State are in. The non-con, Montana State is the third non-conference foe that they've got. The cross-division draw includes USC and Utah and Arizona State, and Arizona State's on the road. We've we've loved what this uh, team and program have been able to do building up the offensive line. Chance Nolan, at his best, has proven to be a, a very good quarterback amongst Pac-12, uh, Pac-12 quarterbacks. So six wins is Jonathan Smith. Going to get the Beavs back to another bowl game. I think you're underselling this schedule. Like that is that's a brutal start. Like they start with Boise, then they're on the road at Fresno, and Montana State went like twelve and three last year. It's not just some pushover FCS team. It was one of the better teams at the FCS level, and then you get USC and at Utah. Those are your first five games. That's not going to be a fun start. The good news is, I do think they're going to win two or three of them. So. I have this being a push. I don't like saying it, but if I have to choose a side, I have a slight lean to the under more to the over because of that start to the schedule. Like that's you could start off 0 and 2 in conference. You could start off 0 and 2 on the season. You might, you know, th- this is a team that realistically, if you look at that schedule, those first 5 games, if they're 1 and 4 come that end of the first weekend in October, I don't think it's going to be a shock. I don't think that's what's going to happen, but if it could happen, and that will be really hard to recover from because that would mean that they have to go five and two down the stretch just to get to the push, six and one to get to the over. So I think six and six. I think the Beavers are going bowling. I think offensively, they are probably going to be the most explosive best offense in the division and I think that will keep them in games against a lot of other teams in the division although defensively I do think they need to take you know they, they need to shore some things up or else they're going to be caught in some bad spots but I think they'll be able to score enough points to beat a lot of the teams in the back half of this schedule so I don't think the season at the floor is going to completely fall out on them but I do think six and six is probably your you know your best case scenario here so I have to lean under though I don't really like it same I'm on the under as well. The schedule's brutal. Um, I I I'm a I'm a believer in what you can get. Like momentum works both ways. I think it could be an uphill battle after those first five games, and just getting guys to you know to buy in, to keep the confidence level, to keep the work ethic up, to keep you know, are you clawing away for that bowl appearance? And they probably will be, but I just don't see it. I don't see how you can get to seven wins over that. Like I again, I got I I'm with you. I, I lean the under. I don't it's not again, it's not gonna be one of the locks pod, but if you're forcing me to pick one, I'll say under. Counterpoint, you beat Boise and Fresno and you're cruising. Yes. Yeah. You know, and like that this, could happen. You could that, be three and oh. Yeah, I I don't think that when we mentioned that the, it is comparatively difficult, I do not think that Oregon State is going to go into those games feeling like an underdog, or if they are a betting underdog, not a significant betting underdog, I think that those are going to be opportunities for wins. And so, yes, if they end up being losses, then getting to six is going to be difficult. It will require going to Stanford 
in that amazing Stanford home atmosphere <laughs> and bring in all the juice to be able to go out there and uh, and get a win. It would require going to Seattle and beating Washington in their house. It would maybe even require beating Oregon in the rivalry game. But if you are able to beat Boise State and Fresno State, or heck, even split them, you know, you've got Washington State at home, you've got Colorado at home, you've got Cal at home. Those are games that can be wins. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in a much more manageable position when it comes to uh, when it comes to getting there. I, I just think that the key word for me is depth because they're not so thin that a couple of injuries is going to hurt them late in the year. Jonathan Smith has done a good job with uh, recruiting player development, building this thing out. So even if they, for example, along that stellar offensive line, get a couple injuries, I think that staff feels confident enough that they're going to be able to continue to be strong all throughout the year. They've just been building to this. I don't think it's a, a shaky situation, very difficult start, but I've still got confidence. I, my, I've got it projected as six and six, but if uh, on my push under push over, give me one with the beeves. I'll go push over. I, w- I want to bring one thing up too. Just I probably sh- we should have mentioned it at the top of the show, but like for those watching now or who are listening later, when we talk about the North and the South and the cross divisional games, and we talk about them and the other teams in their division, we know that the Pac-12 no longer has divisions, but the schedules didn't change. They're Correct. still playing the same divisional schedules that they had originally in part for the season. So you might not be in the Pac-12 North, but you're still playing a Pac-12 North schedule. So that's why when Chip says cross-divisional or why if I'm saying, well, in the rest of your division, that's why we're doing it. But to win the to win the Pac-12, you do not need to win your division because the divisions don't matter for that. Correct. We're just going with the highest win percentage between them. Count them up! Oh, boy. Cal Golden Bears. It's been a a rough go. Justin Wilcox and this this Bears program. Over under win total at Caesar Sportsbook set at five and a half. Uh, We got even split on the prices, minus 115 each way. The non-con includes a trip to South Bend to play Notre Dame to go with UC Davis and UNLV coming to visit Berkeley. Things do get difficult as they've got a road trip to USC on the schedule. Uh, But other than that, uh, mostly run-of-the-mill when compared to the rest of the teams that we're talking about right here. The the quarterback position, I guess we're going with Purdue's Jack Plummer. That is my assumption here. I Mm -hmm. don't think that that's enough of a... um, That's not a difference maker for me in a way that inspires a lot of confidence in a Cal offense that has, uh, you know, been... Hit and miss is putting it kindly... (laughs) For the most part, it's been a pretty bad offense over the last couple of seasons. So can this offense find any kind of juice? Will this defense be strong enough for the Bears to be able to go and exceed this win total and make it to a bowl game? What's our read on Cal? Yeah, the Big Ten sent Jack Plummer to the Pac-12 for USC, UCLA. A lot of critics don't think it's a very good trade for the Pac-12, but time will tell the tale. Um, Under... I think this, I'm pretty confident on this one. I just, there's, what's the offense? Like, this is a team that has struggled so badly to score points. And it's like last year, if I looked at this, let me check it real quick. But last year, like, this is a team that had one of the better turnover margins in the Pac 12 and in the country. Yeah, they had a plus, plus 10. 10. Turn. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the tied for 10th in the, in the nation is one of the highest turnover. And you, 
still struggled to win games and score points. And it's like, that's probably going to balance out a little bit. Maybe not because they are so conservative offensively that it does limit the turnovers when you just turn around and hand it off most of the time. But there's just such a lack of danger in that Cal offense when I watch it. Like, there's really nothing that you have to fear. They haven't had much of an explosive tack vertically. They have to put together long drives without screwing things up, and they have trouble finishing it at times. And that makes it really difficult to win games consistently. And unless we see that offense kind of take a step forward this year, and I'm not saying it can't happen, but until I see it, it's really difficult for me to look at this win total and say that this team's going to get to a bowl game, especially when you look at a schedule that has Notre Dame on the road. You get Wazoo on the road. You get Colorado on the road. Like you're saying, these are the the Wazoo and Colorado are kind of like those make or break games for you if you're going to have a good season or if you're going to have a disappointing season. So to get them on the road, same as the Oregon State game, that hurts. I mean, and your winnable games, you know, the more winnable games that are supposed to be at home, you've got Washington, Oregon, UCLA. Like it just, the degree of difficulty on this schedule is turned up a little bit where I just don't have any confidence that the Bears are going to be able to get to a bowl this year. You mentioned some of the other like games you might be, think is going to – UC Davis, watch out for my guy yeah. Dan Hawkins. Uh, they went to Tulsa last year, week one, knocked off Tulsa early in the year. Like I don't – I think it's probably – you know they'll be favorites, but it's not one you feel out, outstanding about. When I went through it, I had five – lock losses and up to six, seven, or eight where I was like, I was kind of leaning more towards the losses. When I get that much of a strong indication, I got to go under. And probably one of the ones that we before we said, eh, I don't know, like this one probably feel more confident about that they will not reach it. And this program's been a dumpster fire too as far as, again, COVID's impact is still felt, I think, in the Pac-12 mm-hmm. more than any other I mean, remember they were petitioning to play a game? Wasn't was that this past season, or was that I, I lose track of the times? But I mean, this team still lost time last year, I believe. weren't they the only team that lost a game last year because of COVID? I don't know. I can't let really me check that real quick. They tried to reschedule the USC game, uh, and that they did end up rescheduling it. And it was at the end of the year. They ended up winning that game twenty-four to fourteen. It was funny. I my first note. Um, one of my first notes when looking back at 2021 I was like, okay, they, they won four out of their final six, but I immediately ruled that out from being a positive because you want, you know what one of the losses was 10 to three to Arizona. And we yeah. love Jed fish, but a 10 to three loss to Arizona in the middle of winning that four out of your last six uh, does in fact make me sort of rule it out. Here was the other piece of this that um, I thought was interesting. Do you guys remember that reportedly Justin Wilcox turned down the Oregon job and then ended up signing an extension with Cal through 2027. That's that's a lot of confidence in the roster, I guess. I mean, they five of their seven losses last year, they went five and seven, were by seven points or less. And you know, he's his messaging has been all about trying to win at the margins. You know, we've just got to flip that the other way. And a lot of people will tell you find a team that lost a bunch of close games because the balls should bounce the other way. But this is already a team that was doing well at the margins, as Tom mentioned, with one of the top 10 best turnover margins in the entire country. I, it's not fishy as a, though something is up, but it is at least interesting that what I think would be a very good job at Oregon with a roster that, as we mentioned, is among the most talented in the entire conference, 
that you maybe would have turned that down, especially with it also being his alma mater, to come back to this Cal roster, which I see as a, a big-time uh, uphill battle just to even make it to a bowl game. It's, Is Justin Wilcox coaching for Cal next year too? Did he buy himself some uh, some job security by committing to him? I, I don't think Cal is going to sign. I don't. Cal doesn't strike me as the kind of school that's going to sign a coach to that contract extension and then fire them a year later. This isn't Auburn. You know what I mean? This is just like, nope, it's our football program. It's not that big of a deal to us. Mm, which is why USC and UCLA yet were traded for Jack Plummer and uh, and, and made it out, out to the Big Ten where they mm-hmm. will they'll invest a little bit more. Coming up on the other side, we turn our attention to Jake Dickert's first full year at Washington State, and David Shaw and Stanford have one of the top quarterback prospects in the entire country. What about the rest of the team? And Is that going to be enough to get them to a bowl? We'll get into that and more next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Cover three listeners, cover three viewers. We are a nominee for the best sports podcast category in the People's Choice Podcast Awards. We appreciate all that you guys do for us, and we hope that you enjoy our show enough to nominate us to advance us all the way to the final round. Here's how you do it. To nominate the Cover 3 podcast, go to podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up, and then toggle down to the sports category. Again, that is podcastawards.com slash app, A-P-P, slash sign up, and then toggle down to the sports category. The whole process is only going to take about 60 seconds. We've included a link at the top of the episode description if you are listening on an audio platform. And if you're watching live right now on YouTube or on the replay, it's right there at the bottom of the screen, podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up to vote for the Cover 3 podcast for the best sports podcast we turn our attention to washington state where the cougars have an over under win total at caesar sportsbook of five wins over a little bit juiced here at minus 130 the under with some plus value at plus 100 uh they get a visit from the badgers at wisconsin oh they go to uh at wisconsin in the non-con idaho and colorado state will be coming to pullman They've got Utah coming to their house. They go to USC. The rest of it breaks out you know, about pretty evenly. In fact, there is a little bit of advantage in catching Oregon and Washington, both being home games. Potentially one of the most electric transfer quarterbacks that often in a you know 
offseason full of quarterback transfers, one that has been flying a little bit below the radar is Cameron Ward. The FCS transfer is a, a great playmaker. And look, they might need his ability to extend the play with his legs because this offensive line is suspect. Uh, can he be uh, out there prolific, productive, and help this Washington State offense be great? Well, I think the defense is a, a positive. They've got depth. They've got experience. They're pretty good on that side of the ball, and that could help Washington State get this over and make it to a bowl game. Do we think it happens at over under five wins? Yes. You've got over. I've got over. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about this one. I, if It's funny. If you look at Wazoo last year, and they had the coaching turnover in the middle of the season, and things got kind of crazy, but they did a really good job. Dickert did a really good job of kind of keeping things together and moving together, keeping the team together, keeping the locker room together and moving forward and playing well. But what was strange about Wazoo last year is because compared to what we'd become used to in the Mike Leach era, like they were better defensively than they were offensively. And that's why I think the addition of Cam Ward to this offense is going to have a big boost for them in 2022. And you mentioned it, Chip. The offensive line last year was a problem. And I think that offensive line, like when I see games against Wisconsin, Oregon, USC, Washington, maybe, Utah, definitely, I see them really struggling in those games with that offensive line. But those are the only games where I can look at on the schedule where I'm like, that's going to be a definite problem for them. I see the other opponents on here, and I think they can overcome it. They could play around it. And I think Ward gives them a dimension offensively that they didn't have last year, which will make them more explosive. He'll be able to keep drives alive on third downs and stuff with his legs, with his arm. And I think that alone, it's not, I'm not sitting there going to say the Cougs are suddenly going to go eight, nine, three, eight, and four. But I do think this is a team that's going to get to a bowl game and is going to get past five wins. I've got them at six and six. I think seven and five is very much in play. So this is a pretty solid over for me. I'm with you. I had six and six for the record as well. Uh, a lot of times when you fire a coach or you part ways with a coach, it's like starting over, except when you have the situation which they had with Rolovich and the vaccine and everything that happened there and you go with an interim coach and then he wins the job and you're able to keep some continuity on the staff and the system that you're running. So I like that aspect of it. Thought the team from a leadership standpoint really stepped up and said, hey, we don't care what's going on. We're still going to we, we have our eyes focused on the prize. And then the one wild card here, too, which I cannot wait to see play is Cam Ward, uh, the transfer who was the. What's the word? What's the name for the Heisman at the FCS? I forget the name. Um, Walter Payton, right? Walter Payton. The yeah. Walter Payton one. Yeah. So, I mean, the best player at that level, getting an opportunity at this level in a system which is very quarterback friendly, where you should put up some big numbers. I think their offense is going to be off the charts. I think it's going to be a ton of fun to watch, but I have them over here as well. I've got, I've got them pushed to under. Um, and I, I don't. No fun. It is it is thin. Like Cameron Ward is a like noted like ad libber, figure it out. He threw he had 71 touchdowns in a, a season and a half, right? Like he's incredibly productive. 40 some touchdowns last year. Jake Dickert's been comparing him to Brett Favre in terms of him just being a gunslinger out there. I I am concerned that with the offensive line and with exposing his body to um, maybe more shots, more body shots that you could end up with 
some uh, quarterback injury. Might be a game, might be half of a game, something that would create him missing time. And I am concerned about the quarterback depth at that in at Washington State. So for that reason, I end up going pushed under. I think that uh, the toss-up games, as I look at it, are Cal at Stanford, Arizona State at Arizona, Washington. I am perhaps a little bit too high on Arizona in that analysis, maybe even too high on Cal and Stanford, but still the schedule as a whole, you mentioned at Wisconsin, I think is a loss. Oregon is a loss at USC, at Oregon State and Utah. I just really quickly get to seven and five as their ceiling. And so winning those enough of those toss-up games when we've got the potential of like Cameron Ward, if it's not Cameron Ward, then I don't think Washington State gets to a bowl game. Washington State is good enough that they could be seven and five and exceed this win total, Tom, like you mentioned, by two games. But and I'm rooting for that because it sounds like it's it you're, could, not, you're a Washington State hater, clearly. It, it could be incredibly fun uh to to watch Washington State have a really electric offense uh here this season. But ultimately I've got it around five and seven. And if you make me choose over or under, I'm gonna go under. Hayton. Hater. How many games are going to win this fall? Stanford Cardinal have an over-under win total at the Caesar Sportsbook of four and a half wins. This proud program that was playing for and winning Pac-12 titles not all that long ago and even has a quarterback, as I mentioned earlier in the show, that is one of the top NFL draft quarterback prospects in Tanner McKee. The recruiting has, uh, in the last cycle or cycle and a half, really started to turn around. But the roster as it stands, and goodness gracious, this schedule sets up for an incredibly uphill battle if Stanford is going to be able to make it back into a bowl game. Three straight seasons have ended without a bowl appearance for Stanford. If it happens again, and they even get over this win total and only finish five and seven, it would be four straight years without a bowl appearance. Schedule, I think, is the toughest in the division. Murder. (laughs) It's uh, USC at Washington, at Oregon, at Notre Dame, at UCLA, at Utah, BYU, all so difficult. Uh, Oregon State, Arizona State, Washington State, at least. Maybe those are at Cal. Those are games that Stanford can at least go into it, hoping you're going to be able to pull it together. I mean, guys, the only surefire win here is against Toothpaste. I'm like <laughs> entirely, uh, my, not my heart goes out, but like I am just you know befuddled at how Stanford can look at this schedule and, and even imagine that this bowl drought is going to be snapped in 2022. So is it safe to say you're on the under? Yeah, it's safe to say I'm on the under. Well, they they gave him a cakewalk this year because then they played twelve power five teams last year. True. So oh. now they get they gave him this cakewalk with Colgate out of the opener. So they're letting it, it they're won. letting the foot off the gas a little bit. <laughs> they're gonna feel free and easy now. Yeah. Um, Stanford. I like David Shaw a lot. I do. There's a piece of me that says, you know what? Like, because they were they were good two years ago. Like last year was abysmal. And then you go back to 2020, and they were four and two in a COVID year. Um, but man, this thing feels like it's trending in the wrong direction, and it's one of those ones where I hope I'm wrong. But the schedule is brutal. Tanner McKee is much like when I saw his name mentioned for some of the 
you know, um, first round. I mean, I saw him as a top 10 pick. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. It's not on film. That's got to be all on. He's 6'6", 220. He's got a strong arm. He didn't look like the most mobile quarterback that was out there. So I like him, but I don't know if I'm bought on him just putting the team on his back and carrying them. I'm going the under. game should be good. Like the wide receivers are all like 6'3", 220. Yeah. Like they've they've got big old bodied receivers. They should on paper be able to go out and have success there. I just have questions on the offensive line, questions on the defensive line, whether the defense is going to be really dominant or whether they're just going to end up getting, you know, getting pushed around and run past uh when they go out there against some of the better teams on the schedule and the schedule is loaded with better teams. Yeah, that defense was bad last year <laughs> like if you look at success rate they ranked 127th in the country at 51 and a half percent the next worst in the conference was at 55 percent usc but it's yeah i think we're kind of all in agreement here this is this is an under for me i i just i, I think tanner mckee's good i don't think tanner mckee is great and i definitely don't think he's good enough to overcome a lot of the roster deficiencies on both sides of the ball here and then as we got off on the very top like the schedule truly is murder. Chip, you, you you read it off. Like they start with Colgate and then they get USC at home, but then they get Washington and Oregon on the road in back to back weeks. Then after coming home for Oregon State, they're back on the road to face Notre Dame. And they get UCLA on the road and Utah on the road. But more than any of that, it's they play that Colgate, they play USC, then they have a bye. Yeah, the week three bye. <laughs> and then awesome. they then they don't get a week off for the next three months. So it's like by the time they get, once they get past that Washington, Oregon, Oregon State, Notre Dame kind of gauntlet, and they get to the part of the schedule where things ease up a bit with the Arizona States, you know, UCLA's, Wazoo, Cal, like they're going to be beat to hell by the time they get there. So it is really hard for me to envision this team getting to five wins, let alone six. So I think this is a pretty easy underplay. And just think about the physical like brutality of like getting Utah and BYU in November. Oh God, you're like that's the last thing that this team is going to want to deal with by the time they get there. Mm. No, 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 no. Yeah, I've. I've it's not, and they got Cal in between, and I know like Cal isn't BYU and Utah, but Cal's not exactly soft. Like they don't play a soft brand of football. That could be their bowl, you know, potential clinching win too. For Cal, you know, if there are, yeah, like so that oh, could yeah. be a an inspired performance for them playing at home, trying to get the big axe in the uh, in the game. Um, all right, so we uh, Bud was not able to make us. He will be back for the Pac-12 South. Uh, Tom, you want to you want to read his notes? Sure, I will. I will leave out the swears, Bud. It's a family <laughs> show. Jeez, uh, just some overall thoughts. The Oregon secondary might be poop, but the offensive line is very strong. Uh, Wazoo lost a ton of talent, but it also has some stability this year. Uh, Stanford's poop roster, but I think the quarterback's okay. Oregon State wanted JT Daniels, which scares me about what they have since I think he's kind of washed, but the rest of the roster is nice. Uh, Cal doesn't see it offensively still, and they lost a lot on D, so he's worried there, so that sounds like an under. And he says, Washington, he's with me. He's he's not a believer in Penix, and he questions how much offensive development the roster got the last two years and how much the new head coach can fix in only one offseason. So he's thinking that Washington's more of a year two under Kalen DeBoer than it's going to be a year one. So overall, I'd say that the four of us don't really have a ton of optimism about this division in 2022. 
the teams in this half of the standings or this <laughs> yeah. in, the, in the artist formerly known as the Pac-12 North. I will say that my, uh, I've, so I've got the over for Oregon, the over for Oregon State, and then everything else I've got under or push to under. So it's, uh, it's, it's either the Ducks or the Beavers or it's, it's teams that are trying to figure it out, which isn't crazy considering that, you know, Washington State and Washington both underwent uh, coaching changes and have a little bit of roster uh, rebuilding that they need to do as well. We will be back on Wednesday to tackle the rest of the Pac-12. It will be the teams and the artists formerly known as the Pac-12 South. That is USC, which has nine wins uh, on their Caesars win total. Utah, nine. UCLA, eight and a half. See, we already got like more total wins combined if you add up their win totals in this side of, of the standings. Arizona State at six. Uh, Colorado at three and a half. Arizona at two and a half. We will be breaking down all of those win totals on Wednesday. Make sure that you're subscribed to the Cover 3 podcast so that you can get it first. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernell. You can follow him at Danny Cannell. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.